This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. Hello, hi y'all. This is Daniel Eisenman, the host of the Breaking Normal podcast, where my guests are all invited based on the frequency of synchronicity, all done in person, and all trailblazers and the breaking of all things normal. Aloha, y'all. Welcome back. Woo, we are in the transitions of seasons here on the front range of the Rocky Mountains in Boulder, Colorado, and things have been moving fast. Uh, we fall hit, fall hit hard. I'm talking like where one day this tree goes from like 50 shades of beautiful to 50 shades of majestic to 50 shades of like what? To like gone. It's been amazing being here at this time of the year and enjoying what I would say is one of the best places in the world. And um, I have a few podcasts. I'm going to do with the batch podcast intro thing again, breaking normal style. And I'm doing it live on Instagram as well. Um, I'm actually just sitting here, rough, rough. You might see him a little bit here. I'll show you rough, rough. There he is. Mm -hmm. Guy's a young stud. He eats, the only person that eats more tri-vitamins than me is probably him. Oh, wow. He's really making a show right now. Okay. I got to stop saying his name. <laughs> so the thing on the tri-vitamins front, we got this new seasonal batch of the elk antler. This is not Chinese deer antler. This is North American elk antler trimmed when it's peaking in its velvet state, flash frozen, and then freeze dried and milled into this powder that's really extraordinary and because we're mixing it with not uh with wild elk liver and heart it is the only product in the whole marketplace like this you can't find this anywhere else so i will say a few things about this elk antler because this is very this is a little different than the other organ meats we've served up to this point such as our staple of bison liver like i'm i eat bison liver like hey whatever seven pills here 10 pills there i love it um is what i start my morning with and that's pretty much i i think that's what a lot of our customers are doing but we have a lot of customers reordering for good reasons and the bison liver just in case you're new to this whole thing with tribevitamins.com the sponsor of the show and the company that i'm stewarding um that's been like a dharmic adventure since this started a few years ago or a couple of years ago in 2020. Um, most people that take that bison liver first thing in the morning seem to experience more stamina throughout the day, uh, boost in libido, like both of those things immediately. And then long-term hair, skin, nails, vision, teeth, it acts as the original multivitamin because it is, there's probably no powder on earth that has more bioavailable retinol and heme iron and other than bison spleen, which we have that as well in our organ complex. But anywho, I'm, if you haven't used the bison liver for breakfast, first of all, just replace your breakfast with it. That'll save you some money. And it's epic because you're getting all the nutrients your body's looking for and you don't need all those extra calories to weigh you down. If you know what I'm saying, I'm not only saying physically, but I mean to be able to stay sharper throughout the day. Now this, I don't take as casually the elk antler, I use this specifically for a pre-workout. If I was in a relationship, maybe I would use it for pre-date. Um, it is powerful. Um, it is actually like if you're a, a certain um, professional athletes might not be, a, it might be like in the gray zone about using it, especially the UFC. 
because there was a company once that I think laced their elk antler spray with human growth hormone. And that really confused a lot of things because elk antler specifically does have IGF in it, which is a growth factor that I think is like the final byproduct of growth hormone like this, what's growing the antlers. However, this is not a pharmaceutical growth hormone. If you are at all, I mean, a lot of people, and I guess because people like Joe Rogan are, which I'm so happy he's transparent about his like TRT is testosterone replacement therapy and others on such wide plat influential platforms. There's a lot of people that are getting, get, that are getting into pharmaceutical hormones and I am, wow, I am shocked. And I'm like, wow, be careful. Like my dad's been a pharmacist for over 40 years. Be very discerning about what you're doing there. Um, and I would much rather push you in the direction of foods or foods that have been superfoods, like even superfoods like this that are very unique because they're extracted from living velvet antler from the North American elk, um, to lean towards those bison liver, bison testicles, bison heart, the bison organs, the bison fat, like use what the people that lived on this land before Europeans ever arrived here as medicine and have thrived on, use that first before you go to the pharmacy for um, whatever optimi optimization you're looking for. This is what I would say would be a great pillar before that. And in, in traditional Chinese medicine, um, antler is known to um, enhance or activate like liver and kidney function and libido. That's what it's really known for, especially in like Taoist longevity traditions. And then also really well known for uh, helping people with joint health, specifically like hip health. So there's a lot of older people that use this and love this for their hip and joints. And then uh, for what I love it for and what a lot of other athletes love it for is pre-workout. Take five of these. Woo! Be careful. Don't like, as I'm saying, you could take 30 bison liver and be fine. I would not recommend, I don't know what would happen. I think you'd be fine with this too. So one of my friends did just take 10 of them the other day before like going out at a concert. And he said he was just like amazingly calm and capable, <laughs> probably feeling like a bull elk in his prime is what was happening there. So, um, and then the bison tallow bomb that I have right by here, this is the best skincare product ever. Come on, loaded with vitamins A, D, E, and K. All it is is 100% grass-fed, grass-finished bison tallow, rendered fat, um, enhanced with organic essential oils, cacao and vanilla. Come on, come on. Um, having a lot of rave reviews about both of these products because they're fairly new. And on the front of tribe vitamins, our supply situation is really what our main um, dynamic and logistic is to transcend and overcome. So if you, any of y'all are listening and want to support and you know something about that industry, uh, it's, a, it's, a it's a fascinating game. But yeah, the bison are calling, the elk are calling. We are even hearing callings from other indigenous animals that the USDA does not deal with and other big ideas are being birthed all the time. It's a matter of which ones we're aligned with and taking action on. And um, really the best way to support the whole project is to consume this earth, this animal medicine. I met a lady the other day that was telling me she's a plant medicine distributor. And, and I told her, well, I, I do that with animal medicine. And I gave her some of the bison liver and I got the rumor, I guess she's pretty well known around the parts of Colorado and a rumor has gone around that's some good medicine. And I'm like, yep. That's why I'm, I'm all in. So it's great to hear from all y'all's results. And I, that, that's the best way. But if you want to um, 
partner in a bigger way with tribe vitamins. Hey, this is, this looks like a project just at the beginning that could last for lifetimes and beyond. So uh, reach out, reach out Daniel at breaking through my, um, one of my Instagrams, my name or tribe vitamins. And finally to introduce our podcast guest, this is who I was supposed to interview tonight was is cute Blackston or Blackson. I haven't, we haven't chatted yet. So I trust I'm pronouncing that correctly, but he author, he's the author of the book, the magic of surrender, which I'm like 90 or 85% done with today. Um, I listened to on audible two speed. He has a great voice. I'm so excited to interview him. The story's amazing. Just hearing about his dad. It's known to be like a miraculous healer from Africa and the story of his mom and how he starts the book with a very touching story about the transition of his mother and that, and that being a catalyst for unleashing the magic of surrender in his life it was like, wow, you had me in tears. So I'm excited to interview you cute and what a name k-u-t-e what in the heavens um the previous podcast guest which i have notes on here i have his name is joe we'll put his full name in the podcast and some show notes i'm like i don't know if i even know his last name but i what really got me interested in him was that his i see that he's been listening to plants and he actually has created a product around where you can listen to plants enhanced with his musical genius because i was once at a um an event in the most eastern shores of australia byron bay australia at a place called crystal castle which is literally castles of, of crystals crystals and more and one of the things they were doing was a sound demonstration where they would plant uh, attach sound nodes to leaves of plants and see what they were communicating and it was just really just even thinking about that expanded the horizons in my mind of what's possible with plants and communication with them and within myself and my own consciousness so i've always been very captivated by that idea so we interviewed them and man we talked a lot more than just plants we talked a lot about uh breathing a lot of breath work he, he used to lead holotropic type of breath sessions before the pandemic and it's a very interesting story he's awesome um, I'm excited for y'all listening to that one. And the one before that, I don't even have notes on, but it's so memorable. Uh, the notes are somewhere else, but I can tell you off the top because it's from with big heart, Greg from the, uh, a bison ranch and this guy. Wow. Like imagine big tech now meets regenerative bison ranching. He does, he does both. And he has quite the story to share. And he literally like came to the house with pounds and pounds and pounds of bison testicles uh oh i said bison testicles and reference came up here uh bison liver and kidney and um is supplying some of tribe vitamins supplements with what looked to me to be some of the healthiest bison organs on earth and it's so interesting because he's like a tech guy and this is relatively new so it's really fun to dive deep into how to bridge the world between bison and big tech with big heart greg so those are the three podcasts that you're listening to. you're listening to one of them next if you haven't listened to all three that's my beyond word suggestion <laughs> all right i am so grateful for this community i love how the whole breaking normal concept seems to keep evolving in such so many different iterations around the world constantly and if you have a suggestion for a breaking normal podcast or 
want to work with the team in whatever capacity or play with the team, you know, we take work and play quite sincerely around these parts, especially living with these two pit bulls and so much necessity. Um, man, my place is like a part of a lab, looking like a lab in here. Um, we'll keep breaking normal, speaking of labs. Reach out. Do you, regardless of what it looks like to others, especially if it's healthy and aligned and what's, what's best, it's what's best for everyone, and which is usually you being you, especially when it's aligned with what's beating your heart. That's Breaking Normal, baby. Hey, guys. This is Casey, the producer and editor of the Breaking Normal podcast. Uh, Daniel forgot to add something onto the intro there, so we were able to snag it off of his Instagram, and here you go. So I just did that live video, and I realized I did not mention what other people have been telling me about that elk antler. One, I'll just knit right off a couple. Uh, one being that they took five with a coffee, working out, feel unstoppable. Another guy came over here the other day to buy a bottle personally for me, and he was saying it was like better than Viagra. I'm pretty certain he said that. I don't think he wanted to be on video saying that. So, uh, get yourself some. Oh, and um, if you didn't watch the whole live video and you just want to know quickly what elk antler is traditionally used for it, liver, kidney function, hip and joint health, definitely libido, pre-workout, may be illegal for certain athletes because certain craziness. Learn all about it. Much love, y'all. It sounds like we're beginning. Is that happening? Do you just want to do it right now? I, I was listening to a podcast today and they were like, I think it was the guy from No Jumper. And he was saying that he kind of locks himself in the room before the podcast guest arrives based on this Johnny Carson quote about like, don't leave the best show 10 minutes before the floor or something like that because sure. the energy might be so sparky in the beginning. Why, why haven't totally. you missed it? Who knows what we're about to say? Nice to meet you. This is our first time meeting, I believe. Maybe, yeah, sure. I think so. And um, how do you pronounce your last name? This is Joe Put Oh, Patitucci. Patitucci. And where are you checking in from? I'm checking in from Austin, Texas. It's nice. I've been through there. I've actually lived, resided there with like a, where I got mail and everything at one point. <laughs> when you got mail, sounds like we have kind of similar stories but potentially i'm excited to uh see where they unfold and see where they might be similar and where they might be different i did i was nomadic for over a decade oh wow. i had a couple leases like maybe like a six-month lease in austin like a 14-month lease in encinitas but other than that it was very um on, on the go cool cool yeah I, i've been i haven't been there for 10 years straight but pretty steady for two years at a time, like twice. Um, how long have you resided in Austin for? Well, that's uh, since, since, uh, since March, but I haven't spent more than two weeks here for a while. It's the, this, I'm, I've landed, landed now. So it's between here and Kauai and Marin and other places for projects and things. So I kind of had a place halftime here and a 
place halftime in Kauai. And I realized this is actually where I'm, I feel most at home. So I decided to come here. Wow. It sounds like we have a uh, frequent in some of the same areas and I'm happy you've landed in Austin. It's so special, especially uh, have you gone to Barton Springs yet? Dude, I, so yeah, I mean, I chose where I live based on that. Uh, cause I lived in Los Angeles for five years in Venice beach and I would swim in the ocean every single morning and it completely changed my life. So I decided, well, I was like, I want to live in a place where I can go to a yoga class. This was, you know, last year, um, <laughs> moved from California uh, and where I can go swimming in the morning. So uh, I live right in Zilker, like two blocks from the Springs. So that's my jam. The commonalities are growing because that's what I was doing in Encinitas, California, amongst many other places. But that was one of the places while I'm like, okay, I can live between my two favorite surf spots that I can walk to every morning. I'm in. Totally. It changes. It totally changed my body. My shoulders used to be like three inches higher when I lived on the East Coast. coast. And uh, I, moved, I remember moving to LA and I just started swimming every day and all these things. And kids came up to me one day like for autographs. They thought I was some soccer player that I don't know, but I, I would have never been mistaken for a professional athlete when I lived in Philadelphia. And then it's just the, the just nature changes body. It's really wonderful. Well, when I think of Philadelphia and like fitness, I like think of Rocky Balboa. And then I think of Venice Beach and I think like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And, and then, <laughs> um, and I do want to just emphasize because a lot of people that are into the breaking normal podcast and or lifestyle, like, Swimming in the ocean every day will change your life. And I oh, would say for yeah. such a great way. But I would, if you want to just expound upon that in any way. Oh, I would love to. So yeah, when I, li when I lived in Venice, yeah, every day uh, I would swim in the ocean, uh, no wetsuit all year, no matter how cold it was. The only thing that would get me to not swim in the ocean is if I stepped in and I felt a pull that I hadn't felt before, like in the water and it felt dangerous. Or uh, if it had rained, because I don't want to be out there with like all the crazy runoff and bacteria. Other than that, if if uh, if it was safe, I was out there and I was swimming. And um, what I loved about it was uh, it it calls in a level of presence that uh, many people only get to experience when they're having a more extreme event when when something is happening to them. Uh, but basically I would go out there every day and, uh, go and meet this, meet this being the, the ocean in its, uh, wondrous, uh, 53 degree temperature in, uh, <laughs> in January. And I would go and I would swim, swim about just a half mile. I would basically swim until my pinky and my ring finger on my left hand, uh, went numb because all of my blood was coming to my core and I knew that I should probably get back because pretty soon I won't be able to feel my arms. But the, the thing about it is you don't know what's underneath you. You don't know what's going to be around you. you. You have no, I had no, there, there's no way out. The only way out is back to shore and that's, I have to swim another five minutes to get back to shore. So um, there's just a, a level of presence and uh, acceptance uh, of being in that situation. And sometimes large animals will come up to you like a 400 pound sea lion with a head that's, you know, bigger than half my body. Or something. And uh, just have, I, I just had to be 
I just had to be, there's no fight or flight are not options in that scenario. Uh, so when there, when you're out there and a huge animal is near you and you can't fight or flight, you're only, my only escape was breath. So there was no escape. The, the escape was presence was being through. So I would just be there with these huge animals coming by. And sometimes, yeah, I had time when sharks were feeding. I've had times where dolphins would swim by. Uh, but yeah, it's it just this beautiful feeling of recognizing that it wasn't my home and that I was a guest and that I, and that encouraged me to show up in a particular way. And that's something I brought into other areas of my life is just seeing that, just thinking about how I'm stewarding energy in different situations and, um, allowing like holding space for other beings to feel comfortable. And then also putting myself in such an extreme situation in my body that there was nothing else in my day that could ever, uh, get me as stressed <laughs> than, than that kind of cold and, and those kinds of situations. So I just knew I was, it would prime my day, prime my whole life. And I, I still feel the benefits, even though I'm not in, <laughs> in the ocean right now. That's amazing to hear. Um, yeah, a major part of the book, Breaking Normal in My Lifestyle, is built around being able to somewhat polar plunge and or swim in like fresh swing, spring water that's mm -hmm. like accessible to my home. Yep. And, um, and or surfing. And that's when I lived in Encinitas. When I lived in Austin, I, I love the... Uh, there's a three springs that feed that pool. And there's like one behind the diving board. There's like, you can find it where it comes out of the ground, just so you get a little heads up. And man, just like sitting in that and putting my face in that, there is something, just something about when the earth gives birth to this fresh water. Oh gosh. I, and I, I feel like it's in our, um, in our DNA. And uh, uh, I think a man's biggest search for meaning at one point was finding clean water. And then oh, building yeah. a lifestyle around that. Uh, a lot of people don't know anything about that anymore, but it's fun to live in places like Austin when you're surrounded by springs and all the explorations that can, uh, that can amount to, and all the plants that are around these springs. Um, I, we, I haven't even officially told the story about you, and I imagine I'll, in, I'll include an intro before the show, but um, you are the creator of what I understand is called Plant Wave. That's correct. And um, I, the schedule of the show of Breaking Normal is synchronicity. And when I saw the email about what you're doing, I'm like, oh, yeah, for sure. Because at one point in my life, I was in Eastern Australia at a place called Byron Bay. Have you ever been there by any chance? I have not. No. Okay. They have this like cool venue retreat center type of thing called Crystal Castle. And it's like really amazing. It's just like, like this little retreat center full of like crystals, huge crystal, crystal gardens, labyrinths. Um, and they do these like auric photographies and they have this demonstration where they will attach uh, nodes to plants and to somehow, I can't remember exactly if they were playing music or if they were just showing yeah. what the plants were doing. But I definitely remember being mystified because that just brings up the whole world of questions, doesn't it? <laughs> I wonder, uh, what year was that? 
Oh man, that must have right. I could think I could guess. I could because we were doing a retreat there, and that was in hmm, probably 2014-ish, 15-ish. Okay. Yeah, we released our first uh I've been doing this for like 11 years, and we released our first product in I think 20, 2016. Uh, so maybe I might be incorrect on the dates. Like, I could double yeah. check. I can fact check that later. Oh, but I, oh. And I will tell you that part of the, that, you know, I've been to every state and, you know, people ask, well, what's your favorite place? And I don't know if I, I my favorite place is where I'm at, but um, mm-hmm. one of the favorite places I've definitely ever been is that area of the world, the Eastern North shore of Australia. Okay. On the list now. And super rich with plants and leeches and snakes and sharks and and waves and uh, jungles and springs and all of it, all of it. Beautiful. I'm down. Come in. <laughs> so what? This, so you've been doing this before I even first was exposed to it. Probably for it sounds like eight years, seven years. What? How did you originally spark the idea? Like, are plants? I mean, I, I'm imagining. Are you like are plants talking to me? Or how did this happen? Yeah, it's it's really funny. Uh, you know, before I started making plant music, I I didn't have any house plants. Uh, I was it was mostly inspired by from music. So I would write music, mostly ambient music that was uh, always inspired by me going out into nature. So I would go into a forest and go on a hike, and a lot of times I would record the sounds of of nature out there. And then I would go back into the studio and I would just breathe and listen to those sounds and connect to the feeling of the place. And then I would allow that to express itself through me musically. And I would write music. I would find, you know, melody in the wind or, you know, the birds chirping and I would write music to those sounds. And maybe I would include those sounds in with the music, or maybe I would just allow the the composition that I wrote to kind of stand on its own. Um, but yeah, o- over time I started to think, what is this that's happening? So is the, is nature speaking through me is the same force that inspires a plant to grow in a particular way, that which inspires a poet to put pen to paper. What is this creative energy that's coming through? And I had, you know, friends that had really cool interests too that, you know, some of them were into these like plant consciousness studies and things that were happening in the seventies. And I had a friend that's an electrical engineer. And so I worked with him to have some hardware built where we could take these uh, variations that are happening in plants and translate that into music. So it was partially inspired by my doing of creating music. And it was also inspired by uh, artists like Brian Eno, who is the pioneer of ambient music, which is based on simple rule sets, kind of playing themselves out over time and creating complex forms like, you know, single cell organisms and eventually evolving into human beings. So in the same way, you could take simple rule sets, like what's happening in a plant and use that wave in a plant and, um, you can translate that to a pitch and then route that to instruments. So that's, that's kind of how it started. And I just thought it was a fun thing to do. I thought of it as a novel way of creating music. It obviously had those philosophical underpinnings of me exploring this idea of creativity and where that comes from. 
Yeah. So that, that's kind of how it happened, but it, it changed my life more than I would have ever imagined because I started to see that the music that came from the plants was first of all, the music that I wish I had been able to write. I wish I had the gift of playing with my fingers. And then I also had this experience of the music shifting as things shifted in a space. So as energy shifted in a space. So we know what it feels like when someone walks into a room and they feel like a bright light. They just have great energy and that shifts the vibe of the room. In a similar way, I would hear that in the music when we had our systems going, doing these installations and performances. And so that really opened me up to new ways of seeing how I carry my energy. And it basically introduced me to the healers that allowed me to see I'm worthy of creating art and sharing it with the world and making this product. So yeah, no big deal. <laughs> well, that's awesome. It sounds like it's a uh, congratulations on what it sounds to be like on the adventure of being on a dharmic path and mm -hmm. yeah, and in a really unique way. And, you know, the translating of the pitches that matches music, you know, I'm no, I have no music expert by any chance. That stuff sounds a little like high level for me sure, and, sure. and I would like to figure it out. And, but before uh, I would like to take it to like the step of just so people understand what we're talking about here, the first step in this process of the plant wave um, program app that you have is attaching nodes to plants, correct? That's correct. Yeah, we're attaching two sensors to the plant's leaves. Uh, we're measuring how much water there is between those two points. We're measuring basically conductivity, but it's, it's telling us how much water there is between the two points and how that is changing. Uh, and so as plants are moving water through their systems as they're photosynthesizing, there are these slight changes in impedance. If, if you're an electrical engineer, you'd understand that. But you can just think of it as connection between two points. And that variation is graphed as a wave. And then the wave, so if you think of a note, a note is a, a, a pitch, which is a frequency, which is a frequency of oscillations of waves. So you can take any wave and kind of find the nearest pitch to it and that's what we do and then we scale everything so we scale it all so it's in a key you can we kind of limit what notes are available to the plant to play so that it won't play things out of key because we want this to be harmonious because it's about holding space for humans to have this experience and this connection with plants and to listen to the pattern shift over time so that's the that's basic that's the basic way it works, and the result is this continuous stream of pleasing music that is a window into what is happening in plants. So we call this this is called the practice is kind of called uh, data sonification. So that's taking data and turning it into sound. Many of us are familiar with data visualization, for instance, a weather map. So we could use the same kind of technology to make weather music in a way. I guess you could, uh, you could do something, I'm sure, uh, that would be interesting, like 
turning the wind into sound or something like that. But this is taking basically what's going on in a plant and turning that into music. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. It seems like amazingly innovative and creative. I mean, were, did, were, did you know other people that were doing this before you were? Yeah. So the, there's a history of people playing with this, you know, this, you know, sonification and specifically with plants. So, um, if you've ever seen, have you ever seen the movie, The Secret Life of Plants? Maybe, maybe not though. Okay. It's, it's, that sounds like such a popular movie. I can't tell if I've heard so much about it or actually watched it. I think you dig it. Uh, yeah, it's from the seventies. Stevie Wonder like scored the soundtrack and it's, it's a lot about um, explorations of whether or not plants are conscious and their, their lens for consciousness is very much like uh, human centric. Uh, in the film, but it's still, it's still fun. It's a, it's a, it's some, some parts of it are like hokey and things like that. But, uh, th there are artists in that, in that film that are using the waves of that they're getting from plants and, and having those control synthesizers and things. Uh, the difference between back then and today is that back then they were using analog technology. So any, any subtle changes that are happening in the plants are also mapped to very subtle changes electrically on a analog synthesizer because we have digital today we're able to expand that data and make it much more rich so we get a lot more um a lot more melody out of the data so uh so yeah that was some of the earliest stuff out there and then um my lease is another artist who in 2000 made music with plants in a little bit of a different way uh, yeah so that's kind of that was and then i guess i'm so curious like what does the raw data sound like it is it a t yeah do you have demonstrations of yeah. that or how would you describe that yeah the, the raw data is not sonic right so the raw data is just a it's it's pulse with uh it would kind of sounds like a hum or a yeah, kind of like a hum, but it's really just the electrical circuit. So the raw data is not sound. The raw data is electricity. Uh, we, we can make it unscaled though. So we can have that, those notes that come through, we can take this, we can take any interpolation that makes anything scaled off of it. I tend not to do that because I like to just have it be harmonious from the get-go because I want to just create space for people to have this connective experience and to listen because when you listen for long periods of time, that's when you start to hear these very subtle changes happening in the, uh, in the plant. You, I mean, over time, you might hear bigger changes, but it, it, takes, it takes time. You have to listen for a while to really hear huge shifts sometimes. Some people that have plant waves turn the scaling off and they swear by it. Like we've had many people report to us I, and I haven't been able to replicate it, but we've had people report to us that they turn the scaling off and that if they sing with their plant, that it will eventually come into key with them, which that sounds rad. I haven't experienced it though. Yeah, I mean, there's so many ideas that come to my mind. But is it fair to ask in the sense, like, do different plants make different music or different frequencies or what, what would you call it? 
different way. Yeah, d- d- every every plant has every plant will produce different patterns. Every plant will uh, every leaf really within the same plant. If you if you select two different leaves, uh, then you, each leaf has its own has its own patterns happening. Uh, it changes over time, it, like throughout the day, changes throughout the year. Uh, one of the things I like to do is just leave a plant wave connected to a plant and just always have it on. And then that way I just notice, oh, wow, okay, it's really active today. Or one day it's kind of droning. Or, well, I can imagine if you put it out there before the sun rises and have the node attached to it and then the sun rises, don't you think there's going to be some shifts in the frequency of that? A lot have of you, have you done that specific experiment or like during yeah. sunset? Yeah, there's one I actually did in uh, Torrey Pines State Park uh, there in California where I had a plant connected and the it was it was really cool when af- after the sunset. So before the sunset, there was there were a lot of it was very melodic and it was kind of weaving all over the place. And once the sun went over the horizon, the uh, yeah the notes were descending. So uh, it was like a descending melody, and that is telling me that the conductivity is going down. Uh, the change in conductivity is going down. So that that means there's less activity happening after the sun went down. Uh, and then what will happen later at night sometimes is that the plant will stop descending and it'll just kind of drone on, on one or two notes. And then in the morning, maybe it'll, it'll have, uh, it'll have more rich data coming in. And then throughout the day, it's, it's doing a lot more. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I imagine a plant might go a little bit into a hibernation mode, but then I start thinking about like, well, what's it like during a full moon? And, um, Man, yeah, it's, just, it's really Pandora's box of plants questions that come up from this. I, I mean, I told someone that I was doing this podcast that I met today, and they're like, oh, yeah, sometimes I go into the forest, and I'll pose a question, and I'll see what tree, and then I'll meditate with that tree until I get the answer. Cool. That makes <laughs> sense. Do you do anything like that? I mean, does that resonate with you? How, how does that make yeah. sense to you? I think, I think, I think listening to plants opened up a whole new realm of of spirit to me in the sense that i started to see those synchronicities really line up you know i would you know when when when, for instance when somebody walked into a room and the music completely changed and i was like who the heck is this person And i would walk up to them and then they would tell me they're a reiki master and it totally makes sense that the plant would respond to them it's like oh okay that's a new way of seeing the world um, so then I started to do breath work with plants and use the shifts in the music in the plant. If the plant has a big shift, I would use that as a prompt for myself to tune in to what's shifting within myself. Uh, and I would share that practice with others. I was leading breath work with plants in uh, Los Angeles before the pandemic. Uh, you know, I would do tarot readings for myself and things. It, it, it's, it's what type of breath work, by the way? Is there uh, like, yeah, how would you describe it? Especially since it sounds like you had a structured way of, um, like, was this like a business of sorts? It was something that I 
did for fun, really. I mean, it, I mean, it was a way of I mean, like, were you charging people at one point? <laughs> like, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, all right, like, cool, cool. So it was like structured enough where. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. All right, so, so what was it? Yeah, what type of breath work? Uh, it's basically it's similar to holotropic, but you know, like a shamanic breath work, like belly, chest, exhale, uh, that kind of that kind of thing. Thirty five minutes. So, um, uh, 35 minutes straight of doing hot, or you mean the whole session? Is yeah, there, what do you mean? By, straight. My holotropic huffing and puffing for 35 minutes or how I don't want to. Yeah. You're breathing in your belly, breathing in your chest and exhaling for anywhere between 25 and 35 minutes, depending on the class and probably a good 15 minute Shavasana where you're just kind of floating into another dimension. Um, yeah, I bet. How many people like were was the what was the average size of those groups? What was the largest group you've been a part of? Whether it was the one you were facilitating or being part of another one? Yeah, I mean, I uh, my classes would have you know twenty to forty people. It, was a, it wasn't the biggest space, so twenty to forty people. I did uh, I did other meditations with plants. I led things for a lot of festivals and uh, events as well, like. Uh, at Goop, uh, I did the opening meditation for for Gwyneth Paltrow at the Goop Summit in 2019, and some other things. Um, so that was probably 600 people. Uh, and I've had, yeah, I've, sometimes in leading those bigger groups, we would play with energetic exchange in the plants as a group and listen to that, which was pretty mind blowing. Um, but yeah, I would I would teach two classes a week in Los Angeles. And, you know, for me, it just felt like service. It felt, it was fun. I mean, it was so much fun. I just loved, I loved sharing plant music with people in that way because you really get it. It's just like, there's no and doubt. And that's, that can be so intense if someone does that type of breathing for 20 minutes straight. I mean, I imagine oh, yeah. there was some intense experiences that, is that, or am I oh. wrong? Yeah. I mean, people are coming to that class to clear, to clear stuff. You know, whether that's trauma they're clearing or like maybe that's just simple blocks or ego stuff that they're looking to get out of their way so that they can expand and into offering their greatest self. So yeah, th those those classes, there was a lot of energy. I think that I think the plant music though grounded the experience in in this kind of yeah, there's just a, a, a nice, beautiful, sweet energy to it with the plant music, which I think helped to um, helped to kind of smooth out some of the edges. Not to say that people, you know, I, I would create opportunities for people to scream or whatever they needed to do while they're while they're in there uh, while they're in their experience. But I, I mean, I'm a Total believer in that. If you're going to have that type of group setting that um, synergizing with plants and or nature is a great idea. I love a lot. Like a lot of the breath work I've done has been outside when I do it in groups outside on purpose. Um, there's, some, there's something just extra nurturing, you know, when, when there's when there's a lot of people going through or processing a lot of trauma at once in a confined space. That's a whole different experience than like being next to someone laying on the grass while that's happening. Mm. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all about, 
Yeah, it's all about how the space is created and held, right? So it's like we can't if we're in a city we, and we might not have access to the same, you know, the nature in the same way. It's like how do we how do we create the supportive environment that that uh, is comparable? And so I, I would always lead a very grounding meditation in the beginning about connecting to the earth and um, and feeling ourselves as as these conduits between kind of earth and star energy and we would always create i would create you know space for people to share what their intentions are with the group so that we all kind of could witness each other and support each other in in what's happening and um and then to, we'd have a, a short share at the end that I felt like that community aspect really helped to ground it because I've been to other classes, man, where they treat it like it's a workout class. You know, you're going into a breathwork class. They're treating it like it's a, uh, yeah, like you're, you're doing high intensity interval training, you know, and you're going in and you lay down. They're like, all right, let's breathe guys. Let's fly, you know? And then all of a sudden you're like blasted off into trauma and then you come back, they're like, all right, guys, have a great night. <laughs> you know, and it's like, no. And I'll take, I'll make a, I'll make a what could be a 45 minute class, a two hour class, just to ensure that the integration is there for the for the students. Yeah, it's uh breathing, breathing. It's just so amazing how um close we are to getting as high as we as we need to get. <laughs> It's all so there. It's I right mean, right there, right there, the tip of my tongue. Yeah, we are. Uh, yeah, we're we're spiritual beings having a human experience, right? So, yeah, when we can get more into our breath and clear out all of those uh, kind of the logical day to day things that cloud our brains, that that can be very helpful in uh, opening up new ways of seeing and seeing the opportunities for us to express ourselves and also to receive. Uh, so that's, that was always fun with breath work. Yeah. I mean, it's that, that, you know, we have that, that you were mentioning how much we might have in common. I mean, my, once again, my mornings are usually built around finding the best way to do breath work, polar plunge, get a good workout. And, and definitely the breath work is mixed with like, um, we could call it whatever spiritual term we want, meditation, prayer, gratitude. Uh, it's mixed. I, I kind of get into that uh, state because I think it's extra ripe for the, um, to get in touch with our soul's purpose. It's a totally. good like way to recharge every morning for me. I'm a huge believer in it. Right. Such a huge believer in it. I don't know really what to do other except other than just keep doing it. <laughs> That's great. It sounds like that's working really well for you. So, I've yeah. to spread the message in many ways, like this conversation we're having. So I trust if anyone's inspired, man, come on, reach out, find your own way to do it. I have a whole book about it. There's many other books about it. You can watch a video or you can, well, do you have any advice for someone that has no idea about like the powers of leveraging our breath to like unlock our inner pharmacy? Mm. I I feel like a lot of it comes down to just listen to your body, listen to your breath, see how comfortable you can feel with your breath. If you're not comfortable with silence and breathing, then that's maybe a, a sign that there's 
a door that's waiting to be opened uh, into some more presence. That, that's what that's what I would say. I I feel like one of the things that I have learned. Um, something I'll give you an example. Something that came up today. I'm working on. We're working on updating firmware to plant waves, and we had to do something with a PC. So I got a PC. I usually use Macs, but I got like an inexpensive PC, and it had so much like bloatware kind of stuff on it, where like you open up the web browser and there's like all the worst news of the day, like right there. And I was like, wow, people are being bombarded with this stuff. Like, oh yeah. And so I feel that right away. And I'm like, yo, this is, I don't want this. And so I think a lot of people might not be it, not realize that they're being bombarded with stress all the time. And if you can find a way to be in peace and to be in comfort in peace, you'll start to notice that there's a lot in our modern world that is taking us out of that. And so I look to do everything I can to create more spaces for me to simply be in my breath and simply feel good. It's okay to feel good. I know that we're, we like doing things, but I think doing from a place of being in resonance with one's breath uh, usually turns out pretty nice. Yeah, um, I guess I'm imagining because when you were describing your Venice Beach swimming experience, it sounds like it was a pretty ritualistic thing. Like it was, oh, yeah. you were committed. And so I'm imagining you have a breathwork commitment currently, or do you have like a, a certain thing you do, a certain ritual that must be done breathing wise, or is it more open and flexible? It's or way is- more, it's way more open and flexible for me nowadays. Uh, it's, I've integrated a lot of things into my life where I don't need the ritual as much. However, I would clearly be served by it. So there are times where maybe I want to create more space for that. But there was a time where I needed these things, like where I, I really needed them to have the insights to then integrate into my daily life. And now it's the kind of situation where I think, you know, I'm somebody cuts me off and I just have or something while I'm driving. I'm just like, oh man, you know, that person, they seem pretty stressed out, you know, like that's kind of my reaction to those kinds of situations these days. Uh, yeah, it sounds like the plant's reaction. Ooh, look at those cars. Yeah, look at that. Oh, <laughs> what is important today? That's cool. All right. You know, like somebody likes that cortisol, you know, it's all right. Um, the, uh, go ahead. Something about that you asked about the breath. One thing I wanted to say, are you familiar with, um, the heart math Institute? Do you know any of their work? A little bit, you know, I've been exposed to it here and there. I think mostly from conversations with people, but I would love to hear whatever you have to say about it. Cause every time I've heard something like, Oh, wow. Usually it's like, wow. So this is a really key insight about breath. So, uh, the heart math Institute has a scoring kind of algorithm thing that is based on your breath's connection to your heart. 
And this is based on the science of heart rate variability. And so the way it works is that when you inhale, your heart rate goes up. When you exhale, your heart rate goes down. And so if your breath is connected to your heart, when you're breathing in, it's going up. And when you're breathing out, it's going down and it's going up. And it looks like a way, it looks like a perfect wave, a perfect sine wave. When you're breathing, your heart rate variability would look like that. Now, if you're breathing and you're exhaling and you have a stressful thought, maybe you open up that computer and you see whatever that <laughs> the worst news of the day is. And uh, as you're exhaling, you would get some noise in that wave. You would get maybe a blip because your heart rate would go up there for a moment. So what, what's happening is, is then instead of having this beautiful, smooth sine wave where your breath is connected to your heart, you're having this noisy wave because your heart is jumping around, responding to things as you're breathing. And so... That's a really, uh, that, that helps me to really visualize and understand what stress looks like on a physiological level. And it's helped me to like also see what, what resonance and harmony between the breath and the heart looks like. And then if I think of that, then how is that expressed out in the world beyond just this resonance between my breath and my heart? How is that expressed in resonating with other human beings and other just other beings in general yeah wow wow so we share that in common we share the breathing we share the swimming slash water slash spring exposure in common the plants the plants do you what was the last one cold plants too i go to kuya spa here in austin all the time i love it Oh, is that like a place where they actually have cold water you can plunge in there? <laughs> 35 degrees. And, oh, you know, wow. Uh, they have sauna too. It's like the cool place to hang these days. I could, I bet, I bet, especially in Austin. I'm such a sucker for the, the real deal though. Like, like the springs that are coming from the ground. I, right. I, that's my, like, right. I, I am amazed by all the polar plunging technology that's happened because I remember like putting videos on YouTube like eight years ago or so. I don't know how long ago, but um, of like, but making my freezer into a polar, like I would just put water uh -huh. into my freezer. And then I'm like, wow, look at all these people doing this now. It's so popular. And I'm like, wow, look at all these companies now. It's, so it's amazing to see this evolve because it works. Yeah. That's the thing. The truth works. And this is cold water really works for a lot of people, especially if they can do it consistently. Yeah, I think it's amazing, amazing practice. And I, I like the sun, you know, the breath work thing. Like if people are looking at ritualistic as me potentially, or maybe more, or maybe close, I love doing my breath work in the morning with sunshine where I'm not like maybe directly looking to the sun, depends on how high it is, but kind of getting that sunlight right into my eyes and my skin while uh, doing the breath work oh gosh it's like it's something it's the best part of waking up <laughs> those are amazing those songs do you have any of those like do you think of any like commercial songs when <laughs> oh they happen all the time yeah didn't come to mind first oh, off i couldn't tell you unless <laughs> it was happening in my head in that time it's just one of those things where only like why the heck is that song in my head and then i'll realize oh it's because i'm doing this thing and that thing has that's in this lyric in this song and it could be 
about dancing in a club or something. And I'm like, why, why when I'm washing dishes, are they, am I having that song? Yeah. So I, I find that so amazing. Those how our mind works and our body reacts or, or maybe we choose for our body to act, but it's a, it's a fun game that I think we're in. And I love that you're, um, listening to plants and getting more people to do that like do you think that you know this is a crazy time culturally uh, i think it's like one of the coolest and most amazing dynamic maybe scary for a lot of people times to be alive uh, maybe kind of like concerning confusing maybe more confusing than scary if i was gonna rate it on the whole history of timelines but uh what do you think the plants are saying anything to you or to us oh, in particular plants, maybe the plants are a nice focal a nice place to direct attention because a lot of this stuff is is really just there to distract and you know i mean I mean, don't get me wrong there are real there are really intense things happening on earth right now i mean it is absolutely crazy uh the the, the common thing with all of those things with all of those uh, you know these activities right now is that there's hyperpolarization and the hyperpolarization is a result of a lot of it is a result of people not list, not being able to listen to each other. A lot of it is uh, kind of straw man arguments. Like I take the 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 worst. You know, if you have we have differing opinions, I would take you know basically the the worst version of the most extreme way that I could construe what you're telling me and accuse you of that you know there's just a lot of that on twitter and things and and on news and omission of certain certain data so that certain narratives could heighten people's emotions so that they can click on the ad and buy soap or whatever happens <laughs> uh the thing about plant music is that it encourages a deeper level of listening so it it's listening to a plant isn't going to, you know, hijack your ner nervous system into uh, fear and, and existential dread. <laughs> it's going to create space for you to breathe and to recognize the ever unfolding nature of reality. And so we can all benefit from spending time with singing plants with plant wave because when if, if we could all listen to each other the way plant wave listeners listen to their plants and the world would be a much more co compassionate place and that's what's cool about our community and the people that have plant waves is that they are really beautiful beings that are that are uh, that are developing and cultivating a deeper practice of listening. You brought up a point there about like the plants not feeling existential dread. And I was like, do you think like a dot with off a plant was like dying <laughs> or if it was like got poisoned? Do you, I don't know. Do you, what do you think about that? Do you think yeah, it I might mean, give off these existential dreadful vibrations or do you think like, Oh no, here we go. Here we go to the next thing. Like, well, how did, am, what is your opinion on this? If any, I have no idea. One thing I do like to think about though is that, yeah, plants don't have a central nervous system. They also seem to not have, uh, you know, ego or construction of identity the way that a human being would. So a lot of people ask me, 
oh, do you name your plants? And my answer is no. And because I don't believe they have an ego that they self-identify necessarily in the same way that we do. And I think that that is actually a gift because in any situation, a plant is grounding and growing towards the light. And so if you put it in a dark corner, in a dark room, it's not going to sit there and be in spite and say, I'll show you, I'm just going to sit here and die. <laughs> it'll no, it'll, it'll grow towards the light peeking out from under the door across the room, you know? And so that, that to me is part of what I take uh, in terms of inspiration from plants. But then if we were talking about mushrooms, they might like that dark room. And they, what is, I, what's the deal with mushrooms with this whole thing versus plants? Well, mushrooms are basically the mushrooms are kind of like the, they're the inner connection between, you know, the, through the forest, they're, they're, they're the information superhighway, right. Of, of the, of, of the forest. Uh, Suzanne Simard coined that phrase, uh, wood wide web, right. Where it's the mycelial network is this network uh, for exchange of nutrients and information between trees. So I think of, uh, you know, the, the mushrooms and the mycelial network could almost be more of that nervous, the earth's nervous system in a way, uh, or some kind of, it's some kind of system that is allowing information to get exchanged around the, around the world. Yeah, I I didn't know if there was like a different like I'm imagining people have uh, put these on mushrooms, the nodes on mushrooms. Mm. Yes, it's definitely yeah. Those are some of the most popular videos uh, of mine, uh, like on TikTok and things. Is uh, some some that I've put plant wave on mushrooms, and a lot of times I'm putting it on two different mushrooms that are uh, you know on a tree. And basically you're hearing the connection between, uh, you're con hearing the connection between two mushrooms through the tree, um, through a dying tree, basically. Uh, a lot of times it's more of a drone than anything. It's the connection is pretty steady. There's not like a lot going on, but yeah. see. <laughs> Fascinating. Well, thanks for making things more fascinating today. Do, is, do, you, do you want to make sure that you include anything that we did not talk about? And or do you have any questions for moi? Yeah, I guess. Uh, well, so just so people know, they can, you can get plant wave. So if you would like a plant wave, if you'd like to have plant wave in your life, you can get one at plantwave.com. A lot of people, it's funny, they see, they see this stuff on, online. They're just like, they're like, oh, that thing's really cool. And they just think it's like an art piece, which it is. And it's also one that you can take home and listen to your plants whenever you want. So that's that's one thing I wanted to get out there. Uh and uh yeah, I'm I'm interested, I'm interested in your journey with with plants. Like, what is your relationship with with plants and nature? Like it sounds it sounds like you have this deep connection with. You know, I'm hearing a lot of like movement in water and being there with, yeah, being there with the earth. 
have plants served in any way as oracles maybe in your life or um, you know do you have any divination tools that incorporate plants hmm. uh, oracles and divination tools are um terms that i i pr- pr- usually don't use but so thank you for even throwing those in there i'm like wow that's an interesting context to ask it in that way um for me plants yeah yeah i I mean i do think i'm amazed by life i'm amazed by life and i see how interconnected um my life are and our lives are to each other to the animals to the plants to fungi to the air and i do think that there is a a real benefit for us to understand like where life thrive, like where all of those thrive. So springs are one of those places where like animals, plants, uh, humans, and fungi are usually like, the, the people, everything wants to be in this area. Everything mm. has, and, and it's good reason. And uh, I think that there's a good reason on my nervous system. Like if we're talking about the fungi representing or being metaphorical to the nervous system of the earth, I think it's like really good for my nervous system to be in these type of spaces. So if I can, when I can build rituals around that, it's really awesome for me. But my specifically, I think the more mystical side of plants uh, probably opened up to me when I first smoked cannabis in Amsterdam when I was 22. Hmm. And then that really, that really was like, not only did that mystify my curiosity around plants and herbs and um, other type of properties that these awesome beings might have within them to partner with but um it also just how that could help me appreciate food more help me appreciate a lot of things more Mm -hmm. a lot and my dad being a pharmacist for over 40 years and uh, i there you know most of these pharmaceuticals are being derived from plants in some way so i've been kind of like uh, i'm so gosh because i hear i know so much about the pharmaceutical industry it's like man i probably shouldn't talk about it <laughs> it's that bad right now at least and then so but i am so amazed and mystified by where these pharmaceutical companies are deriving their medicines from mm-hmm. and like for instance yeah it's just so amazing like yeah wow wow so I'm continuously mystified by plants and just watching them. I live in Boulder. So like the seasons change like every day here. Mm. <laughs> like right now the plants are just the trees. The trees are just good making colors. I've never seen before every moment. That's what's up. That's amazing. Mm. I'm loving it. And I did, you know, I believe like one of the reasons I love, because I, now I live in a place where I just walked like one of the cleanest parts of the, the cleanest, deepest parts of the Creek before it hits the town. So, and that changes like right now it's probably in the high thirties, low forties. It is brisk. Wow. It is so fresh and so special to live this close to this, this spot at the Creek and um, to see the plants change every day at the Creek too. Like, cause I get there quite consistently. It's uh, there's definitely a story to be told. Um, cause I, I was much more used to traveling like globally, like always going from state to state or count city to city or country to country. But to be on one block for so long now and watch all the things around me traveling in a way, they're all changing. It's, mm. it's quite amazing. And a lot of that's by watching plants. And my daughter loves, my daughter has such a keen eye for watching the flowers and the plants and the leaves change and the birds and the bees and how they interact with each other. And so getting to see it through her eyes again has been very 
uh, refreshing and re-inspiring. And that, I mean, gosh, if someone's feeling like not passionate about something, you can start getting passionate about plants. There's so much right there. <laughs> totally. I, and what I'm hearing with your daughter too, is that it opens, you know, nature often opens this portal to wonder, right? To beauty and wonder. And that, uh, you know, being in that space of wonder is something that's actually shown to be quite healing for the human body, for the nervous system. So that is that you know nature is healing. That's that's a it's a real thing. It's been you know it's been shown to have this kind of effect. And that's in a lot of ways that's what plant wave. What I look to do with it is is amplify that that thing that already exists in nature that laying under a tree and watching the light dance through blowing leaves uh, and bringing that into people's homes or into cities and places like that. So that's cool to hear about, about being in a place too and, and being there for a period of time because we don't have to necessarily go to Bali or wherever uh, that, wherever you know the the actions happening in the spiritual community and things like that to to experience wonder and to experience the power of plants yeah now i'm i'm remembering the ocean uh, when i lived in encinitas i would constantly bathe with the wet kelp like when i was surfing and floating out there i would you know people most surfers are like trying to avoid this stuff i would like paddle towards it and take a little break and like rub that stuff all over me all over my face and hair and armpits. Um, so I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm just now having, I'm like having the, all the, a lot of flashbacks are coming back with all the special moments for plants. So thanks for asking that question. And I trust uh, whoever's listening is asking them that self, those questions as well. Like what has been some of your more special experience with plants? What's your current special experience with plants? I used to travel with a bonsai tree. Whoa, that's on, on planes and everything. Wow. I forgot that. I mean, I remembered that. Pet. I mean, that's a big deal. That's oh, yeah. Well, it, and I thought I was like keeping grounded in the sky. I was like, look at this. I'm grounded in the sky. And it kept me responsible to going to clean water because I would like water it with like creek waters. So when I was traveling, you know, like, oh, I'm going to get some moss from this like creek in Vancouver. But then what happened was I took it from Hawaii to Australia. And then the Australians, they basically, Australia. Yeah, there was the the specific person at the gate there that was living in Sydney. I guess she was at the airport there. Uh, they were very strict about me throwing, right. dis discarding this immediately, or I was going to get in trouble and were sitting back on the plane. And I just like said, "God bless Daniel Son," because I was like, "That's why I called it Daniel." <laughs> and Daniel Son went from you know this one thing to everything, so he's out there now. But I had a beautiful little juniper bonsai that I would travel with. It was like embedded with like a little reef like this little natural like dried out reef it was really cool wow oh that's lovely i've never heard of someone traveling the world with a like with a plant i i flew on a plant flew on a plant i flew on a plane with a plant once uh, i've flown on plants too that's a whole other story but i did uh it was pretty interesting bringing a snake plant on a plane that's pretty cool i like that someone brought that on the plane i'm like i want to sit next to them <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good vibes. It's a great idea. I'm, I'm actually that is 
to me, that's cutting edge idea. Like, why is there not more snake plants and other kind of plants like that on airplanes? Or air plants. How about how about that? We can start exactly. Like, why? Wow. <laughs> it would be obvious. All of a Sorry. sudden, like, we're going to hear this announcement from JetBlue or Nervergen. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> like, check out the new setup of the air plant planes. Delta. <laughs> I actually think ideas are meant to be shared. Like, kind of like when we're talking about the plant world, like manure, manure money ideas. Hmm. These are meant to be shared strategically or they like really stink like shit and they could be dangerous. Yeah. I mean, they are <laughs> tools and they're energy, right? Manure is energy. It's all of this energy that is wanting to feed plants, right? Or like money. You don't want that to just, I mean, it's nice to have money and it's great. You don't want to just have all of your money sitting, you know, if you're no billionaire has all their billions in sitting in a bank account. It's out there doing things. It's out there invested in companies and it's out there working to produce stuff. So it's important to recognize we don't want to be hoarders of, of energy. We want to, I, I want to create, allow myself to be a channel for energy and to be able to have a greater capacity for more energy to flow through me. And that to me is what being, rich is it's not about holding on to more money or more things it's about allowing more energy to flow through me without resistance and yeah i think that's a really important concept yeah i think that when i've been the most tempted this uh, sometimes feel a little hoardy about hoardy that's such a funny word <laughs> hoardy <laughs> we do whatever we want I mean, yeah, I, I definitely, I'm, I've completely brainwashed myself that I can make up any word I want to because my daughter keeps like, making up words. Oh. Like she spells things I've never heard and I tell her what they sound like. And, and, but then she remembers them. And then she asks other people, like, what is this spell? I mean, what is this word? And she spells it and they're like, dream, dream. And, uh, and I'm like, yeah, that's Davina made that word up. <laughs> that's cool. What's that mean? Good question. I'll find out. I think it's, I think it's a few times we'll find out when I wish she comes nice. back. Nice. <laughs> um, the, there was one other thing that was uh, the tip of my tongue about that topic, but man, we've talked about, uh, I usually do these between 44 minutes, an hour and 11 minutes. We're probably getting pretty close between the tail end of that. Um, anything else before we might get back, get to that organic, like, see you next time yeah no i mean uh just th thanks for having me on and thanks for thanks for your work it's really really cool i've been checking i checked out some of your videos and things today <laughs> yeah. yeah super cool appreciate the, the holistic approach you take to uh to wellness and embodiment and nutrition and all those things and that's that's what we need that's what that's what humanity needs we need a little bit more personal responsibility for how we're showing up in our bodies and uh you know less reliance on industry so uh appreciate that yeah thanks for um echoing that and i do believe that you know for someone once again that might be listening and if you're not you don't want to get too crazy about plants i do think that we have this cool opportunity and responsibility to find out what our uh, beings are capable of and that definitely to me means unifying like the physical with the mental and the spiritual and the emotional and a lot of times um it's a, it's a fun project it's not a it's a dynamic project as well and i do believe in that project 
I, I, my shoulder, I got hurt my shoulder the other day for the first time in a really long time. And, uh, I was, I'm thankful for how I took it. I was like, oh yeah, I'm just going to work on my legs now. Now my legs are really sore and my shoulders starting to feel better. <laughs> but that's kind of, I do kind of look at that. Like we do have, a, that is my, I feel that's my responsibility. I do feel that's my responsibility to be given this cool, uh, this cool, amazing, miraculous mechanism known as a human body. And, and to find out, why, I'm so inspired by like awesome athletes and, um, anyone even watching my daughter watching the little kids watching anyone doing what they're capable of is quite the miracle totally yeah they're all <laughs> yeah. here to show us that we have something to share as well so yeah that's i'm sure i'm sure the people that are listening to this there there are things that are going to come to being uh from from your audience that we could never imagine and that we're not here i'm not here to do but that somebody else is here He's very uniquely suited to do. I'll be really, be, we're, we're blessed to have these beings here on earth to uh, demonstrate to us how uh, we can receive their gifts. Oh, for sure. And I think on that journey of like what you were mentioning, the art of listening, I do think being embodied in the best way possible and being in uh, touch with the plants in the best way possible. Those are all ways I think of being able to hear maybe what that calling is while we're listening. So yeah, thanks. Thanks for the reminder and thanks for you doing what you're doing and being on the show as well. And I'll be looking forward to seeing when our paths cross. I'm imagining probably somewhere in a spring. Yeah. Come on by, come down to, come down to Austin. Let's go swimming. Awesome, man. <laughs> nice to chat. Thanks, man. Yeah. Great to meet you. And, uh, you know, everybody that's listening, you know, just create space for yourself to, to have experiences as a human and breathe. So, yeah. Rasta. Keep hey. breaking normal. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. Later. <laughs>